Hi guys, I'm Jade Iovine and welcome back to the second episode of Tell Me About It. So I just want to start off by saying thank you. Thank you guys so much for the overwhelming outpouring of love and support for the first episode and the launch of the show. I gotta be honest, I've been carrying around this show for so long, I almost didn't know if you guys would get it or that it would resonate with you. You know, I didn't know that my message about feeling alone and wanting to know I wasn't alone and wanting to know that the women I respected had also been through shit. And what I heard from you guys from this first episode is just a confirmation that everyone wants to feel less alone in some capacity. Everyone wants to know that someone else out there is trying antidepressants for the fourth time. Everyone wants to know that someone else out there has felt othered, that someone else out there has broken a heart or had their heart broken or been rejected or felt too broken to function at some point, because we all do. And I'm so glad that you guys get it. And I'm glad that you're on board because I just can't wait to keep having more of these conversations and set us all free one story at a time. We have an amazing interview today. Well, actually, it was kind of more of a heart to heart with one of my favorite women and friends, Stephanie Shepard. Steph is the best friend you always wanted. She's a hustler and is a lethal combination of beauty and brains that is just, quite frankly, unfair. But the best part of Steph is she's somehow able to keep it so real with her wickedly sarcastic, self-deprecating sense of humor while managing to be one of the most admired and envied women out there. But first, let me tell you a little about her. Stephanie Shepard, who you probably know as Steph Shep, is best known for her style, beauty secrets, and work as a humanitarian. Steph is an entrepreneur, an environmental advocate, and tastemaker who educates her millions of followers on blending luxury lifestyle and conscious consumerism. Formerly the COO of Kardashian West Brands, Steph has since established her own platform and partnered with American Express, Google, and Jbrand, among many other prominent brands. She is the host and executive producer of her Facebook watch series, Steph Shep Says, and is a monthly contributor to Kourtney Kardashian's website, Poosh, and Elle magazine. In 2019, Steph co-founded the digital climate education platform, Future Earth. She is also an ambassador for Days for Girls International and the Environmental Working Group, as well as working with politicians on new climate change initiatives. What I love most about our conversation is that you're definitely going to hear a side of Steph you haven't heard or seen before. We covered so much. We talked about feeling pressure to have it all figured out. We talked about getting fired. We discussed the things that make her feel insecure, the awkwardness of ending a friendship, and the identity struggles that come with being an Asian woman growing up in a white rural town in Ohio. She lets us in on what it's like to work for one of the most successful women in the world, yep, Kim Kardashian, reminds us that everyone isn't having as much fun as it looks like on Instagram, and shares that she's recently started building a relationship with her father. This interview was so much fun and so honest, and you truly can't help but fall in love with her after listening. I've known Steph for a few years, and even I learned so much I didn't know before. Steph joined me over the holidays from her house in LA with her puppy Binks, which is why you may hear some Christmas music and the occasional bark in the background. Steph is a true girl's girl, which is a big reason why I wanted to have her on the podcast. She certainly made me feel less alone in so, so many ways and made me realize how much we all have in common, especially on those days where we feel like shit about ourselves. 
Steph let us in on her perspective behind the curtain and reminds us that not all that glitters is gold. I hope you love it and as always, feel a little less alone after listening. Okay, I promise I won't make you wait any longer. Here's the woman you've all been waiting for, Steph Shep. Steph, thank you for coming on the show. Yeah, of course. I'm so excited for this. You've been really excited about this and talking about this for a while. So I'm I'm like the girl who cried podcast. Like it's taken <laughs> so long I can't take it. So needless to say, the pandemic has hit a lot of people really hard and has sucked in a multitude of ways. But from a purely superficial standpoint, how is your quarantine going? You know, I'd love to stay at home. Yeah, <laughs> me too. I... I do. I love to stay at home. I mean, I am that kind of person that like, if, if I don't have to get out of bed, like I will stay in bed all day long. I'll have my meals in bed. I will. I will like Larry has to get up for everything. He cannot sit still, but like, I am like, see you tomorrow. I'm in bed yeah, all day. I'm the same way. I can stay in bed forever. Like maybe day three, like after 72 hours, totally. I might, my legs might fall asleep and I get bed sores, but I can definitely <laughs> stay in bed forever. But that's what I was going to say. You look like a different kind of quarantiner. Like I'm logging hour 10 on the couch, watching Bravo. That's my quarantine. But you're like tie-dyeing, you're dog momming. I mean, I'm dog yeah. momming too, but you're yeah. like really doing it. Has there been like a favorite hobby? Well, you know, Lawrence always says that like, I'm a little elf. I love to stay busy. So like I can make things to do to yeah. stay busy. Yeah. And I know myself and I know that if I didn't create little tasks and do things and activities and stuff, right. that I would fall into a really dark place really easily. Totally. Idle hands. You know, so I it's just second nature to always be having something to do. And I, it's just yeah. kind of like my personality, like everything can be improved. What can we do to make it better? What can I fix? What can I do? Like little things. Oh my God. I'm like, can you live at my house? I wish I had that. I'm like, <laughs> that can wait till tomorrow. That everything can wait. <laughs> You're like, oh, I'm never going to do that. Uh, exactly. Um, yeah. And I got, I fostered a puppy and we ended up adopting the puppy at the beginning of the lockdown in March. What a beautiful animal he is. Honestly, he is such a godsend. If I did not have this puppy I know. to look after and like maintain some kind of schedule and feel like I have some type of purpose, you know, he wakes up totally. in the morning and like dogs don't know what's going on. They're so happy. And he like, I know is just gives me so much love and you can't help, but like wake up and, and, right. and give it back and, and feel like happy. Yeah. So, like during the election, I was like, I think my dog was like, probably couldn't breathe. I mean, he can't breathe naturally. He's a pug, but I was like holding on to him. Like while the election results were coming in that first <laughs> yeah. night, obviously we had to wait four months for them to yeah. actually finalize. But Even I was like, I can't, like, still. he is my emotional support animal. hundred percent. For sure. hundred and ten percent. I could not have gotten through this. I don't think without having this puppy to take care of and to love and to get right. love from. It's been so amazing. And I'm so glad that we did it. Let's just make the whole podcast about how much I we could. love our dogs. I could literally talk. About I could talk about it forever. I'm not well. I'm not. Well. I'm like, you want to see a picture? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So let's jump right in. Um, I really wanted to ask you about your twenties. Now I mm. selfishly want to talk to you about this because I'm 27 and I can speak from personal experience when I say that my twenties have felt like a constant free fall. It's been a lot of throwing spaghetti at the wall, seeing what sticks. It's been a lot of friendship breakups. It's been a lot of like not knowing who I am, not knowing what I want to do. And I think that there can be a lot of shame around that and not fe mm -hmm. feeling like you're not doing it right because mm -hmm. 
a lot of people advertise your 20s as the time where you or probably before I turned 20, I thought it was the time where you get married and you have a kid and you have right. this big career and you know, you have everything figured out. And my reality is so different. different. So I wondered from your perspective, like how would you describe your 20s looking back? Oh my God, a shit show. <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> like shit fully. show, right? Okay, It good. really is. Like everything that you just described, Yeah. if you looked up the 20s in the dictionary, like that is what it is. I yeah. mean, I had so many different lives in my 20s, I always say. Like I, when I look back, I'm like, oh my gosh, I was like six different people. Yeah. You know, like- You had a lot just, of jobs in your 20s. I had a lot of jobs. I had a lot of boyfriends. I had yeah. a lot of friend groups. I had yeah. a lot of different style choices. <laughs> My 20s, I mean, I had so much fun. I will say that. Um, yeah. Probably too much fun at times. But no, I mean, I was so lost. And I don't even think I had like the wherewithal that you do to be like, what am I doing? I was just kind of like free falling and enjoying the free fall for the most part. No, I think that's the better way to do it. Like I'm not yeah. enjoying the free fall. I'm like yeah. grabbing at the wall trying to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no. And I think it wasn't until I turned 27 yeah. Like that Saturn return. Everyone you know, that, says that. I know. Everyone says it. It's so I turned 27 in a I week. Know. I lied. I'm not 27 yet. I turned 27 yeah. on Monday. So I'm like literally waiting like Cinderella. Like I'm like, okay, at midnight, like, I'm literally going to happen for me. <laughs> Everything is going to all come together. Yeah. No, when I turned 27, my life shifted yeah. in so many ways. And that's when I had something inside of me was like, oh my God what am I doing? What am I doing <laughs> yeah. for me? What is, what's the trajectory of my life look like? Right. You know, what am I, what are my passions? What's my thing? And, and it was easier to like figure it out then you felt like, oh, well, no, no, not at all. I <laughs> like, like, absolutely not. I was, I, I mean, I don't even know if I still, I just turned 31. I just turned 31. Yeah. I just turned 31. Yeah. And I just now feel like I can speak it into existence. Like I can, I can verbalize. Now I know what I want and I have the confidence to say, and a little bit of like, I, I'm kind of getting rid of like the caring about right the outside noise where I'm like just the like, hesitation, the hesitation, the, the self doubt is kind of going away. And I know everyone says that happens with age, you know, you start totally. to like care less and you kind of just embrace yourself and the things that are for you and that you want to do. But no, from 27 to 30, it was just like, I mean, I was, it was a major life shift for me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, so like, how would you describe yourself at 25, like versus 27 when it started to feel like you were figuring it out? Who were you? Who was Steph Shep at 25? Ooh, I was so fun at 25. Were you? <laughs> <laughs> I was a good time. I, I bet. was working for Kim. So like mm -hmm. I was, you know, I always, that's always been like a steady line of my life is, you know, I'm a worker. Yeah. That's the family I grew up in. We're a working class. Like we like to work. That was always something that was instilled in me. So regardless of how much I was playing and partying and free falling, I definitely always was like, I have a job, I have a commitment. Um, and that's just who I am. Um, yeah. so I was working for Kim, but we were traveling the world and like, right. I was going to like Paris Fashion Week and going to like crazy parties and yeah. like drinking and being out until five in the morning in Paris and like touring the world with Kanye and yeah. and just like living out of a suitcase. You know, my apartment had no furniture. I was barely ever there. Right. And I was just like putting 
all of my focus into that world and into learning and my job and having fun. And oh my gosh, I was, I was having a really good time. And I don't think the pressures of adulthood had hit me yet. Yeah. You weren't like freaking out. Like who am I? No, that hadn't. Okay. So you were Mm -hmm. still enjoying it. I was still enjoying it. Yeah. I mean, how could you not? Like you were having, I mean, I'm sure it was so hard, but Oh, it was, it was so much fun. It was a mile a minute. You didn't have time to think. Almost. Yeah, exactly. And you're immersed in it and I enjoyed it. And so I think, yeah, it was a really good time. I was having so much fun at 25. So when did you feel like, when in your 20s did you feel like, fuck, what am I doing? Where am I? Like, who am I? Yeah. What's going on? Like, what age was that? Like 26, 27? It, it really was 27 when I was like, hmm, I'm a yeah. little close to 30 here. I'm not in a serious relationship. I don't own a home. I don't have a business that's mine. And I just started thinking about ownership in that way of, mm-hmm whether it be my business, uh, my personal life, you know, establishing myself and owning property in some kind of adult way. Yeah. That started creeping in. And I think too, because, you know, I'd worked for Kim for about five years and she had created an incredible life for herself. You know, she had her family. She started a family. She bought a home. She started businesses. And I was kind of looking at it like, oh, I did all of those things too, but they're not for me. Totally. (laughs) I feel like that would be so easy to think that because you're so immersed in someone else's life. Yeah, exactly. And, and enjoyed being a part of that. But then it got to the point where I was like, huh, I probably should start doing some of these things for myself. Right. And that's kind of when the gear started shifting where I was like, hmm, okay. Like I really need to like kind of buckle down and think about what the next, the like the last part of my 20s looks like to set myself up yeah, so that I can really take care of myself. Well, you kind of mentioned it by saying like you wanted to figure out what you wanted to do and kind of who you were. But do you remember what you were insecure about then? Oh, so many things. Um, <laughs> well, I mean, it's difficult to work for the most beautiful, right. famous, successful person in the world and not right. have a little bit of like, what am I doing? It's hard to follow her on Instagram. It's like, let alone. Totally, you know. <laughs> It's like, you can't keep up. She's a powerhouse. But, you know, I think I wanted something of my own. I think I was insecure about living someone else's life. And I felt like I'd lost myself a little bit. Right. Um, And I think that can happen. I mean, that happened to me throughout my 20s. I I was thinking about it as I was thinking about this conversation that we were going to have and the way that for me specifically, I tend to lose myself in Mm -hmm. work. I tend to lose myself in my relationship. And I kind of took like a real moment of self-reflection. Like, I wonder why that is. Because, you know, I I just spoke with my friend Jeanette and we we were talking about her book um, yesterday. And she's always had a very strong sense of self. Mm -hmm. And she's always kind of had her her line of solid foundation of who she is. And I tend to kind of- Doesn't that sound nice? It's so nice. (laughs) Sounds nice. And I look at her and I admire it and I envy her for it. Because I tend to like- it's, it's a blessing and a curse. I'm easily adaptable, right. you know, right. I can get along with different people. I can move in and out of different groups of people, different, you know, workspaces, but I tend to sometimes lose myself mm-hmm. and the things that I love and the things that are important to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was, and that was something that I noticed throughout my twenties happening. You so know? in your thirties, how do you remedy that? Do you create boundaries? Like, how do you make sure you don't lose yourself? Yeah. So I, oh, I mean, I'm working on it. Yeah. <laughs> Still working duh. on it. Of course. We and are just work in progress. Constantly. And I just noticed um, it is boundaries, knowing, knowing myself mm-hmm. and knowing that 
if I'm surrounding myself with a group of people who they only care about vapid things or mm-hmm. their values don't align with mine, I don't want to easily fall into that trap of losing myself in that. Totally. And so I just, I mean, I, this just happened. I had to really set some boundaries with some different acquaintance friends because I can so easily absorb that energy and be affected by it. Yeah. And so I just, yeah, I had to set up boundaries. I had to find that self-confidence, like yeah. knowing that I know what I know and I like what I like and I know what's best for me. And, right. and it's impossible to, to it. please everyone. So you're just going to end up being nothing to no one. Yeah. And like knowing that I have something to offer and bring yeah. to the table. Like that's different. I, that's different. Mm-hmm. And really championing, championing. Yeah. Championing myself, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's been a real confidence thing. Cause I get really insecure about, oh my gosh, what are people going to think about this? Right. Or is this cool? Yeah. What am I doing? Like, and then I'm like, whatever. No, there's such a pressure to be liked. Totally. And especially when you're good at it, when you have the muscle to read a room, to like right. to acclimate to whatever room you're in, when you're good mm-hmm. at it, it gives you a lot of success. And you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and there are a lot of benefits to that, but it can be hard because you can get too good at flexing that muscle. And then you're right, like, exactly. you walk into every room and you just are like a chameleon and you camouflage to everything. And then you're like, mm-hmm. wait, who am I? What do I like? Exactly. It's, exactly yeah. the problem. Yeah. You know, looking back and even just like thinking I had to be a certain kind of way because I, you know, would hang out with like Larry's friends who are older than me. And I felt like I had to be very mature and very put together. But like, I am like a wild child. Like that's who I am. And I don't want to be vanilla because I think that I need to be buttoned up and proper. Like, you know, and and so I think taking that power back and just being like, I don't need to fit in. I don't need to conform to that has been really awakening for me. Yeah. Well, I know you said with some like acquaintancy friends, you made some boundaries or whatever recently. But I think this kind of goes back to the question about your 20s, because I think there are a lot of friendship breakups. And so did you have a lot of like friendships that ended or couldn't withstand you changing in this way? Definitely. And like, how did you end those friendships? Like, how do you end a friendship? The age old question? Yeah, I think it depends definitely on the circumstance. I think if anyone is like, taking advantage or abusing you, I think that there is a line that you just draw and you say, I can't do this anymore. And you can have that conversation. And I definitely have had to, or I've been like, you've taken advantage of me. Mm -hmm. I've not been nothing but kind and and a good friend to you. And I'm rooting for you, but I can't do this anymore. It's not good for me. And like, I think we should just take some space. And those conversations are so awkward. Yeah. Oh my God. But that's why I just avoid them. <laughs> exactly. But, <laughs> but once I need you to release those people, you make room for right. your actual tribe who yes. are going to make you feel safe and secure and comforted and supported. And I have, I mean, the people that I hung out with when I was 23, couldn't tell you. No way. Could not tell you. Wow. I mean, I have my two good girlfriends from high school that, yeah. you know, are my lifelong friends. Yeah. But those, those circles you know, whether it be you're making friends like in the party scene Mm. or you're making friends in the work scene or because your boyfriends are those friends, you know, whomever those, you know, those rotating door of friends. I did not find my tribe until 31. Until later. 
Yeah, I feel like when I've gone through any friendship breakup, when it's been on my terms, like when it's been me saying, I can't do this anymore, I feel so bad and I feel guilty. And I feel like, mm. oh my God, I see all these girls on Instagram that have their best friend. I have my best friend since I was born. Thank Luckily, thank God, because I love her. But you know what I mean? Those other friendships, like I felt bad about outgrowing. And I think yeah, it's only been recently that I've thought to myself, like, if you don't outgrow friendships, have you even grown at all? Right. You know, right. like- yeah. So I think it's really important to know that, yeah, those conversations suck. They suck the whole yeah. time, you know, but they're worth it because you, like you said, you do make room for other people to come in. Yeah. Yeah. I think when, when the friendship is exhausting you or if it's not making you feel good or if it's taking your energy, I I've, you know, I've had some lifelong friends that have, unfortunately we grew apart and mm-hmm. it just was something that you know, there's no bad blood for me by right. any means, but it just, it's run its it course. Just, it ran its course. Yeah. 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 And I think that's okay. And then me you too. Know. Let's normalize ending friendships. Totally. I'm like, that sounds horrible. It makes me, but not ours. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> You're never getting rid of me. Um, so I want to talk about like your sense of self. Do you yeah. really feel like now, like, okay, I know who I am. Do you know it now? Or is it still evolving? I think I'm almost there. You know, I'm definitely closer. I feel it. And I feel empowered by that for sure. Mm -hmm. It's so funny because I was talking to my friend Sabrina about this. Yeah. My 30th birthday, it was so funny because I I had my friends, we were able to go up to San Ysidro Ranch in Santa Barbara. And so nice. So nice. And it was literally two different groups of people. It was like, my like adult kind of friends, like the couples, the married couples, the, right. you know, the people that I went to for career advice and all of these yes. things. And then it was like my single girlfriends. Yeah. And, like, so it was really these two different pods of people. And it was such a reflection of where I was because totally. I wasn't quite out of wanting to still be like young and single and da da da, you know, have that fun. And also to a place where I was like, you know, I want to have friends who have family, who are starting families and businesses and, and are kind of going that direction. Cause I felt like that was the direction I was headed. Right. So it was really interesting to look back and to feel, I still felt conflicted. Mm-hmm. You know, I felt, I didn't feel settled as I did when I turned 31 this past year. And I was like, yeah. Ooh, I found my people. I am yeah. so comfortable. I am so loved. I don't have right. to entertain or put on a show or oh my god I'm like, like salivating at the thought oh my god it, it was so my 31st amazing. birthday was so and it was during the In middle quarantine. of the pandemic yeah you know and I just it was just so much love because it was the right people the right people were yeah. around me and not to say that you know my single girlfriends I still don't love them I talk to them but to really keep that super tight inner right. circle I was so happy when I looked around like all of these people here are good people. We, it was, it was so great. It really was. So So it's like, yes, those friendships are going to have to end. Yes. You're going to have these transition periods, but like once you find that group of people, it's makes it all worth it. Yeah. As an impatient 27 year old and someone that now wants to turn 30 tomorrow to 31, (laughs) actually, um, what contributed to the changes in your, not your self-esteem, but knowing who you are, what contributed to that? Like if you're me, you know, or if you're a listener who's 26, what are tangible ways that we can actually try to find out who we are? I'm a huge advocate for therapy. Me too. I'm in therapy once or twice a week. Um, oh my God, me too. And I, it has changed my life. I went to the Hoffman Institute 
How uh, was that? Right after my 30th birthday. So actually, oh my God, I went at the top of this year. Oh That's my God. That's so crazy. This year is so freaking long. I know. Um, yeah, I went at the top of this year in February and- Was it night? Like, what was it like? Oh my God, it was amazing. For anyone who doesn't know, it's kind of like a- psychotherapy retreat where you get rid of your phone, your computer for a week and immerse yourself in like 90 hours of therapy. And it was completely life-changing. It was just such a cool experience. And I walked away with such a deeper sense of self and an empathy for myself. Empathy for yourself is huge. Yeah. Yeah. And like the patterns I fall into and why I am the way I am and the empathy and compassion for your parents, you know, because I think obviously at the end of the day, we are the way we are based on how we were raised. For better, for worse. And how we grew up, you know? Absolutely. to just get the perspective and the emotional vocabulary that I left with has really changed my life. And then just implementing those little things of, you know, keeping up with the therapy and, Mm -hmm. you know, journaling really helped me. I started journaling while I was at Hoffman and do they teach you how to journal? Um, well they, they give you like a workbook and so they do, it's a lot of writing. It's a lot of like, um, writing letters and different sorts of things like that. And so I just am not great at like vocalizing my feelings. Yeah. I tend to keep them in and keep them just ruminating in my head Mm-hmm. And so for me, taking a a pencil to paper and just writing it out, mm-hmm. it felt like a release. I was like, oh, yeah. it's out of my head. Right. I felt it. And now I can move on from it rather than when you feel something and you you keep going, you keep going, yeah. you're anxious about it, you're you're fixated on it. And you're yeah. then you start making stories up in your head and solutions and you're twists telling me. and turns. And so just journaling and a just- A spiral. A spiral. And then you get your friends involved and then you have to vent to someone and it turns into a whole thing and then you're embarrassed about it. And then yes. you shame spiral about that, you know? Yes, yes, yes. So just literally sitting with myself, writing my feelings. Like you're talking about Friday night. You know? <laughs> <laughs> sitting with myself and writing my feelings and just getting them out of my body and being like, oh, that yeah. was such a release. Helped me so much. And they gave you, like, I saw that you like do this. Um, I've never gone and I'm dying to go. Shady would love it. Oh my God. I know I would love it. I'm that's so me. That's so up my alley. But they like, I saw this, um, I printed it out actually. It's hanging on my wall, but it's like a list of adjectives for like how you're feeling feelings. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like there are so many times where you're like, you feel a certain way, but you can't articulate it because you don't have like the language to do so. Yeah. They say shame can't survive once it's language. So I think it's incredible that they provide a list of feelings. Yeah, they give you, they provide you all these kinds of like tools and tips and tricks and different things to help get you out of those bad patterns that yeah. we all find ourselves falling into. And and the like emotional vocabulary, like you were talking yeah. about. For me, I'm always like, I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed. It's my general annoyed. byline. I'm just always freaking annoyed. I swear to God, I say it. it's so bad. I say it so often, <laughs> but I'm like, there are a lot of annoying things. There's a lot of annoying things, but like, my teacher there, or I would say like, I'm feeling anxious. Like I'm always mm-hmm. like, I just have this cloud of anxiety. And he's like, but what is it? Cause there's something under that cloud. Like there's right. something causing that. It's not, your feeling is not anxiety. You're having anxiety because of something. Mm-hmm. And so then to, just to help be guided, to follow that trail, yeah. to get to the actual root of yeah. the anxiousness. It's, 
I mean, it was really, really life-changing. That's amazing. So, I mean, I want to talk about that in terms of comparing yourself. Like, do you compare yourself to other women on Instagram? And did they give you any tools to help you with that? Or what do you do when you feel yourself start to do that? Oh, I do it every day of my life. It's awful. God, isn't it awful? And it's so stupid, first and foremost. Secondly, social media is just so, it's such, it's such a beast, you know, it's really difficult to navigate. But then it's your job. Like, how do you avoid that when it's your job? You like need to get away from it, but you can't. Well, it's, it's a struggle (laughs) for me every day because I want to be present and I want to be where, you know, in the moment, but then, you know, I'm on my phone. Right. Do you mute people on Instagram? I mute people constantly. I'm a big muter. Oh, huge muter. Huge. Oh, I mute everybody. I, you could think I love you. Like, and I will mute you because you trigger something in me, you know? Exactly. And, and, and I, I wish people didn't take it so personally, like a follower and unfollow. Like I might still love you. Like, sure. But I just, your content, I can't deal. Yeah. And it's weird because some people that I know online and then I know in real life, I'm like, wait, what? (laughs) You know? And that throws me off. And then I'm like, there's just so many elements to it. Sometimes yeah. I'm like, are we friends? Cause like, I know I was like, you're not friends with that person, but you're like praising yes. them on social media. And so it's, it's just so many layers yeah. of confusion. And well, I feel like you, especially you see a lot of behind the yeah. curtain. So yeah. it's like, you see a lot of that BS and like how it's not even close to what it seems. Yeah. Well, and no one looks like what they look like and right. no right. one's life is perfect and no one's right. having that much fun. I can promise you <laughs> You're that. like, I've been at all of the parties that you think I've of. been to all the things. It's not, it's not that, I mean, yes, I'm not, I let me not sound so completely jaded and <laughs> ungrateful, but like, you know, no, but yes, you have, it's, it's, it's not like no one's missing out, you know, right. on it. Right. But I, when I was in my late twenties and trying to find my thing and trying to think like, what's my next move? What's my thing that I'm passionate about? I was constantly looking to my left and right. I was like, yes. this girl just started her business. This girl just yep. got married. She just she just hit 2 million followers. Whatever it's the stupid yes. comparison was. It's constant. And, and your dad told Lawrence a very great anecdote that he told me that I carry with me and that literally has kind of just dispelled all of that comparison as much as it could. He was just like, when a horse is racing, mm-hmm. they're not looking to the left and the right. They've right. got their blinders on. They're not looking to see what the horse next to them is doing, if they're right. behind, if they're in front. They're literally looking at their finish line mm-hmm. and just focused on getting themselves there. And It's so true. It is so true. And I was just like, oh, like, why do I care? Yeah. Like, cool. Get 30 under 30. I'm not 30 anymore. Can't do it. Yeah. It's fine. I'm not going to like think that like, I'm less than. I'm or, rolling my eyes for those of you who are not you watching. Know? Yes. And those pressures of feeling like these timelines and these, these social yes. like, you know, goals or not even goals, but just these yeah. like social marks that we all are supposed to hit by X amount of time. It's yes. just, I've kind of like, I've let it go. I yeah. completely let it go because had I rushed into doing something out of just out of creating a brand or a business or whatever it was when I was 28, it wouldn't have been right. Preach. Wouldn't have been what I wanted. And now I've gotten to the place where I'm like, oh, I have a really clear vision now. I've lived a lot. I've seen everyone. I've seen all those people who were starting the brands when I was 27. I've seen it play out. 
I can ask them for advice and I can learn from their mistakes. And now I feel really confident in what I want to do. Right. So, so you're like, I'm not going to look to the left and right. of me. I'm not like, looking to the left or right anymore. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter because it doesn't affect my life. If someone sells their yeah. company for $2 million at 25 years old. Yeah. Doesn't affect my day. So it's why true. internalize it? You know? Okay. So that's why I feel like I'm truly 27, like in this middle ground, because I know that like cognitively I can think like I've seen the behind the scenes, you know, I've seen yeah. the, the making of these Instagram yeah. people. Yeah. And so I can keep that perspective for a bit outside of Instagram. The second I open my phone, my like heart sinks into my butt. Like I, you know what I mean? Like, it's like, I can't maintain that perspective. Like when I'm on the app, it like Mm. brainwashes me. So I'm like, Mm. but so muting has been great until I'm 30 and then I can handle it. Mute the people, mute those people that make you feel like that. Yeah. Right. hundred percent. I still mute them. I'm like, Ugh, like you, you know, I'm not in shape. You're in shape. It makes me yes. feel bad about it. I mean, you worked you. out today. I didn't. <laughs> exactly. Just like yes. you have to protect yourself at all costs. Okay. That's beautiful. So with that, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. So you were formerly the COO of Kardashian West Brands and you famously exited in 2017. I just think so many people can obviously relate to exactly what you went through during that transitional period um, because so many people are losing their jobs in the pandemic and are either being laid off or quit or whatever, Mm -hmm. and they're having to reinvent themselves and are having that same, oh shit, now what moment. So I just really want to ask you, what was that first week like? What did that feel like the first week after you left? Oh my gosh. I know. It's asking you to go back a bit. Well... (laughs) You're like, where do I start? So why, when did you decide to leave or when, you know? Well, I mean, I didn't decide for myself. Kim decided for me. She, and, and with good reason, I, you know, when you know something isn't right for you and it's like a breakup that you can't break up with. I couldn't break up with her. I love her too much and I was too invested, but my heart wasn't really in it anymore. I was having all of those those feelings of, you know, what I said, like ownership and wanting my own life and wanting to start something for myself after she had modeled it so effortlessly, you know, I was like, this is, you know, I want to get it on this for myself. I want to have a life and a family and a home and, and, and a business. Yeah. So I definitely, I definitely had those feelings of like, I think it's time for me to do something on my own. Mm -hmm. And Kim being as intuitive as she is and knowing me as well as she does, really pushed me out of the nest. That's, I mean, sometimes you need like that. I needed it. I, I, I I don't know if I could have made that leap on my own because, you know, leaving something that, you know, and are so comfortable in and are so invested in is really difficult. Totally. And so I remember having that conversation and then rather than feeling like really scared, I felt like really like excited and like a little relieved. I was like, oh my God, like really, what am I like? I could do anything now Yeah, because you know, my, my, my days, my weeks, everything was completely bound to her and, and building her businesses, which I loved and learned so much from. And it was, when I look back, it was truly like the best years of my life when I was working with her. But I remember driving away from her house thinking, oh my God, 
Like I could do anything. The opportunities are endless. I could do anything. I have no commitment. I have no, you know, nothing to hold me back. Like what, and then, then, you know, that excitement that I'm like, and then what do I do? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) You're like, oh shit. Yeah. So I didn't really have a plan here. Right. I had no plan. Jade, I had no plan. I was like, oh my God, I don't even know. Like, I, yes, I want to do something on my own. Yes, I want to fly free and, right. but where am I going? Like, right. I should probably exactly. have some, you know, some kind of plan. Um, so I do suggest anyone feeling like you want to change paths. There's a fork in the road. You want to step away. You need to take time, whatever it is. Give yourself a cushion. Give yourself a little plan. You know what I mean? Like, give yourself just a little plan. But don't you think that not having a plan, I mean, luckily you could afford to not have that plan for a little while, but like, don't you think that period of time was so monumental and like, yeah, Yeah. it was so necessary exactly for your growth? Yeah. I told myself, I think that was like late September. We stopped working together, 2017. Okay. Oh my gosh. That was not that long ago. I know. What's happening? Time's flying by. I don't know. <laughs> um, yeah. Yeah. It was 2017. And so I was like, I'm going to give myself, that was like September end of year. I was like, I'm going to give myself till January and then I'm going to hit the ground running. Isn't that the best? I, lo- yeah, I love I a deadline. For five years, I was like, I need, I deserve a break and I could take one. And I was in the position that I was able to luckily. And yeah, I probably didn't get off the couch for like the first <laughs> two weeks, you know? Yeah. I mean like uh, bravo for the only the first two weeks. That would have been like four months. Right. Partly out of like, I don't have anything to do. And like, did I just make the, like what's happening? I guess I'm just going to sit here and like kind of twiddling my thumbs. Like, I don't know what to do. I'm not used to not being busy. Yeah. And then January rolled around and I was like, Ooh, cool. I still have no idea what to do. I have, I don't know. Yeah. And I had built a following organically over the course of working with her, being on the show here and there in the background, whatever, just being uh, adjacent to the family. Yeah. I was going to say you're in such a unique position. Yeah. Um, I had built a little bit of a following and I thought, okay, well, you know, I could see if maybe I could get a couple deals. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, I, I didn't really know where to begin, but I thought, well, it's something I could do now. Totally. You're like, I'll start somewhere. You know, because I don't know if I want to go work for another corporation or a brand or a person. I don't know if I want to start on my own. This is just something I could do in the meantime while I figure it out. So I started building a team and just kind of got into just it. Did just did it. dove right in. Yeah. Nothing I ever wanted to do or expected to do, but... yeah. But here you are. lucky to. Yeah. Well, I want to get more into that in a second, like how you really got off the couch finally. But first I want to go back to the, when you were in the thick of it and I'm going to do probably something that will embarrass you, but Mm. I want to read you an Instagram post you wrote from 2018. Okay, (laughs) You're like, I'm sweating. (laughs) So it says, I fully had a sobbing breakdown last night. Sometimes the pressure gets to me. I may not show it on social media, but I def have moments of insecurity and anxiety that make me want to run and hide. I found one of the best things for me to do when I'm feeling this way is to let myself feel it, but not sulk in it. I seek solace in my amazing friends. Thank you for holding my hand and always having my back. Then I consciously list everything I'm grateful for, and it makes whatever I'm upset about feel small. So this morning, I say thank you, universe, for giving me this life and boundless opportunities. It's not lost on me, and I'm doing my best to pay it forward. 
So that's beautiful. Just oh, to start. It's, but what were you referring to? Like, what was your breakdown? You don't tell me details, but like, what's behind the Instagram? I remember this exactly. Um, so, <laughs> sorry, my dog's gone. Binks. <laughs> well, say hi. Binksington. <laughs> okay. Okay. He's done. I remember this moment exactly. I, I didn't seek out to have an Instagram following mm-hmm. or to have any level of like notoriety in any kind of way. I worked behind the scenes. That was my job. And that's what I loved. You know, it just social media was like a new thing that kind of pulled me in. Um, So I did not have the thick skin that those going into the industry in that way or be had being in the industry had. And so once I found myself there, I found myself to be very vulnerable to the comments and the, the kind of darker side of that world. Yeah. And I remember seeing a photo of myself. I had gotten invited to some like glamor, I don't know, hopeful, like young, whatever, whatever those parties are, young Hollywood, something or other, fresh faces, something, whatever. (laughs) And I remember seeing it and like, I, and this is so silly. This is going to sound so silly, but whatever. Maybe, no, it won't. Whatever. I guarantee you it won't. Anyway. And it like this silk dress was like clinging to me and Ooh. like it made me look literally like four months pregnant oh. and I just was like shiny yeah. and my hair was bad. And it was just, I was just trying to figure it out. Like I didn't have a lot of money to like get a glam team right. or a stylist. Like I was just like trying, just Normal. happy to be yeah. invited, you know? Yeah. A bad picture is enough to make you it's, break it down sucks. and cry. Yes. And it, it's, you sucks. know, and, and because I was at that point, I was still in a place in my life where I was really hard on myself about my body mm-hmm. and wanting to look a certain way and yeah. wanting to have that flat stomach and, you know, mm-hmm. the toned Absolutely. abs. And like, I was very hard on myself during that period of time. So that's why it kind of hit. If I, if now I'd be like, whatever. Yeah. You're <laughs> like, like, I don't fuck care. It. Right. But when but you're already down, you're already feeling when like, I was in, in, in that specific instance, I hadn't yet gotten over that kind of like body dysmorphia, like totally. that I was really, really de- struggling with. Yeah. And so to see myself when I'm already hard on myself about not being super fit or not being skinny enough or whatever that silliness was, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, not silliness because it was serious to me, but you know, just that idea. Yeah. I deal with that all the time, you know? And I, and, and I was like, I don't get that many shots to take pictures on a step and repeat. Right. Like no one, you know, like this is my only opportunity. Like, I don't want to blow it. I need to right. be perfect. Like, you know, people don't get to do this kind of stuff. I was just putting so much pressure on myself from every single different, which way. And I, just lost it. I was like, I can't do this. It's too much. It's too, there's, there's, there's too much pressure and, and I can't, I can't handle it. I, I, that picture will live forever and it's going to haunt me. And I remember I, I was so upset and I was in my bed crying and I sent it to my friend. I sent the picture to my friend, Justin Makita. And (laughs) the only thing that he sent back was he's, he is the husband of Jesse Tyler Ferguson. Okay. So they always get their photos taken. The only yeah. thing that he sent back to me was this hilarious to me. It's hilarious to him. It was mortifying this picture of them getting, out, sorry, this picture of them getting out of the ocean. And they're like, 
disheveled and some, <laughs> and it's just like unflattering. You're not ready. Right. Your mouth's open. You're doing whatever right. it was. He just sent it back to me and it just made me burst into laughter. Cause I was like, this is so stupid. Like, yeah. As you realize we're human yeah. people like, right. To, to try and live up or idealize this idea of perfection and constantly being like robotically a mannequin. Like I can't, and I'm not going to hold myself to that anymore. Yes. And look at Jesse Tyler Ferguson. He's yeah. wildly successful, 100%. incredibly like, I don't even know the photo human, you're referring to, you know? And so I'm like, if he can stand to live another day, I can stand to live another day. Like this isn't going to yes. make or break my career. This one like unflattering photo and right and and it really it really shifted my perspective and I was just like this is just a part of the game yeah and I felt like man if I'm feeling like insecure and I know the smoke and mirrors and the bells and whistles behind this mm-hmm. industry imagine how someone some 18 year old girl who's looking on Instagram at a really perfectly detailed beautiful mm-hmm. photoshopped photo and looking at themselves thinking I don't look like that. Like, and, right. and, and, and so in that moment I was like, if I just share this ounce of vulnerability, maybe yeah. someone else will feel empowered to kind of, you know, well, be themselves. I'll tell you as someone that read it, it did do exactly what you intended it to do. That's why I wanted to read it today because like, you're right. You're in such an important position. Like you really are because you are behind the curtain. As I said, you are behind the scenes. And so for you to say that it packs such a bigger punch than if someone else were to say it. And I think it's really cool that you recognize your privilege to be there and like, you know, in your responsibility, I guess, to, to younger people. Um, So thank you for saying that. No, of course. I mean it. So was the media really tough on you during that time? Like after you left, like I saw headlines that like, that must be so hard to publicly leave a job. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, I was like plastered everywhere. Like I still like, even if my name's brought up today, it's like fire. Like, like, does that annoy you? Um, I mean, I'm like, Oh, you know, for me, I'm like, my life has moved on. Yeah. So far from that year or that, that, that chapter. Right. And I remember it, it didn't come out until months later. And I was at home in Ohio about to go to a high school reunion. And I was like, oh, great. <laughs> and then one of my friends sent to me that some guy posted to their Facebook, some us weekly story about me right before our high school reunion. And I was like, oh, like that's so embarrassing, yeah. you know, and Kim texts me when it came out and she was just like, so apologetic because like, I don't know, we don't know how it gets out. You don't know how yeah. those things, you know, whatever it right. is. And she just felt, I think she felt bad because it wasn't very nice to me and it wasn't the case. And, Mm -hmm. but you know, I actually, I didn't really freak out about it because like, I knew it wasn't true. The truth. Yeah. You know? And I knew that like, I talked to Kim every day still, like I talked to her there's no validity to this. Right. It doesn't no like they, they can say that and then we'll be together in two weeks, exactly. you know? So like, I don't care to give this any of my life or like of any of my attention. Um, but yeah, it wasn't nice and it sucks. And like people are going to write what, what they want to write regardless. And yeah, I don't know, maybe growing up in like a small town, I'm, I'm just kind of like used to like everyone thinking they know your business. And that's true. I never thought of the parallels between those worlds. Yeah, just kind of having to go about your living your truth regardless of what the town is saying about you. Yeah. So tell me this. How do you get from the point that we were talking about earlier where you, you know, hate Instagram, you are crying in your bed from an ugly picture that you saw, the trolls are getting to you, you don't have a thick skin, 
to then realizing, oh shit, I actually have to post on this platform. I have to engage with it because it's my livelihood and it's the way that I make my living. Um, how do you get from point A to point B? How do you get to that point where you finally say, I don't give a fuck what people think. I'm going to post what I want. Yeah. It was, you know, building that tribe of people Mm -hmm. who I feel so unconditionally loved regardless of anything that like empowers me. It was almost like, I don't want to say like a rebellion, but almost just like I'm not going to do, I'm not going to play by these rules. I'm not going to conform to this. I'm not going to Photoshop all of my photos to look like what I don't look like. I'm not going to. Yeah. Like, I'm like I can don't we still Photoshop a little bit though? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just you know a what little. I, mean? I just. Yeah. Of course. I just was like, I'm over, I'm not going to be prisoner to like yeah. this. It's just a decision you made and like that. Yeah. And, and I still have doubts and I still will text, you know, my friends, Curry and Vittorio and be like, is this picture cool to post? Yeah. Like, do I look okay? Like, of you course have to I'll have still do that. You have cool consultant. Oh my Someone gosh. Who, my cool consultants. Yeah. Like, it's important. They are pinned in the chats. Like mm-hmm. they're probably so over me because I, <laughs> because I do, I am still, this is the thing like now. So now I'm like caution to the wind, whatever. I don't care. I'm, yeah. this is, you, I am who I am. I'm not perfect. Yes. It's fine. But then it's like the pressure of social media when it's your business to like right. have the engagement and have, yes. like, is this going to get likes? And that pressure yeah. I hate because it's taken away so much of the joy of, of like course. and the creativity of getting to share your life. And then yeah. when people are mean and say really hateful things, you're like, mm-hmm. why am I sharing my life with you if you're just going to yeah. be mean to me? And so, you know, it's... I'm still figuring it out. Social media is really confusing it's and really difficult to navigate. For and sure. I feel like we're all in this like massive science experiment. Like we're like human slot machines. You know, the social experiment. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It's insane. Yeah. It's really crazy. But I, I just say to myself every day when I get those insecurities or those feelings, like I don't care. Like I'm not doing this. You're not doing yeah. this stuff. Post because you yeah. want to post. If it gets three freaking likes, who cares? Right. If whatever, if you don't yeah. look perfect, if you don't have any makeup on, if your hair's not done, if you look like a slob kebab, I don't care. I yeah. want to share it. And if you're not here for it, then mm-hmm. then that's fine. Exactly. Like, don't yeah. follow me. <laughs> exactly. Bye. Quickly going back to, I'm just keep bringing you back to a time where you were really struggling. Where I was so sad and struggling. <laughs> yeah, let's just keep going it's back. Good. The reflection is really, it's good and it gives me good perspective. Okay, so. good. It's like therapy. So if you could go back, even though this was a few years ago, and tell yourself something when you were feeling like, fuck, like everyone else has it together. I don't. What am I going to do next? What would you tell yourself looking back? Oh, my gosh. Everything happens. Oh, that's so fucking cheesy to say, but it is true. Like everything, everything happens at the time it's meant to. Like what's meant for me is going to be meant for me. Yeah. So if it's not happening right at the second you want it to, there's a reason, Mm -hmm. you know? And I mean, I have had so much disappointment and like, I've been fired from almost all of my jobs. I have missed out on opportunities where I thought like, this is going to change my life. And this is what I want more than anything. Mm -hmm. And I didn't, didn't get it. I didn't get it. And I look back and I'm like, Ooh, dodged a bullet there. You know what I mean? So it's like, if you're looking at your life and you're like, I've been taken care of like something, someone's looking out for me. Mm -hmm. I have been taken care of 
and okay up until this point? Why am I not trusting that I'm not going to be okay? That's true. It's beautiful. It's like, that's so right. Like I always say, life's rejection is God's protection or whatever, the universe's protection right. or whatever. You just like, right. it will all make sense. Right. I'm, I'm like, I keep trying to tell myself. It will that. all make <laughs> sense. You know, I have been fortunate enough to have a loving family mm-hmm. and I've had a revolving door of amazing friends and people in my life, mentors, et cetera. I have been so blessed to, to never have to worry about mm-hmm. having a roof over my head or where my next meal is coming from. So why am I not trusting that I'm not going to be okay? Right. Because every low point, every point where I thought, oh, I don't know if I can make it through this, I've always gotten through it. Mm-hmm. So why stop trusting now? Right. So now I'm like, just trust myself and trust that like I am headed in the direction that's right for me. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back. So I just want to ask you, what's a concept that you wish, either in your industry or not, what's a concept that you wish more women were open about with each other? Maybe like, I wish more people in my industry felt and took a little bit more seriously the responsibility of representing like a whole person. More so like, I want young women to know that like, you can care about the outfits and the hair and the lip mm-hmm. gloss and all the fun things that we love to play and mm-hmm. be entertained by. But that's not what makes you worthy of anything. That's just right. the fun stuff that we get to play with and enjoy and indulge. I wish people in my industry took a little bit more seriously that responsibility of putting emphasis on charity and mm-hmm. education and... Mm-hmm like the power of their influence. Yeah. Using that platform to like talk about things that are important. You know, we can't raise a young generation that only cares about Instagram dances and being a YouTuber. Like, I mean, that's great. And I'm not trying to knock that at all because I'm obviously a part of that industry and that's how I make my livelihood and I enjoy it. And I think it's fun and it gives people levity to their lives. and, And that's the entertainment business itself. But we need to show young women that like, if that's not a path for you, like there are, like, it's cool to care. Like yeah. I always hashtag on like my cool post. I'm like, it's cool to care. It's so cool to know what's going on. It's so cool to volunteer your time. It's so cool to, you know, take some extra classes and yeah. like learn. And yeah. Do you feel like we're slowly getting closer to that? I mean, like I do people realize? So I think maybe this year, especially, you know, with everything that's happened politically, socially, you know, hopefully people have taken stock of what is important and, and with future earth. Yes. Your climate platform. We've seen such a spike in interest. Oh, interesting. So which gives me hope. Yeah. I mean, our engagement, our following grew immensely over this period of time. And it's, the, the hunger and the thirst for information. And I think people are making the connections to health, to planet, to like, what are the important things, the necessities, the essentials of life, yeah. you know, that we kind of take for granted and we can't. So I do wish more women spoke to those things and really led by example when it comes mm-hmm. to, you know, amplifying women of color and mm-hmm. 
LGBTQ rights or whatever mm-hmm. it is that you stand for, stand yeah. for something. Right. Basically. Stand, that's it. Stand, stand for, for something. something. Yeah. It doesn't, it, no matter what it is, whatever rings true to you, stand for something and yeah. show up for that and, and lead by example. I love that. I agree totally. What's something that people follow you on Instagram would be surprised to know? That I hate Instagram? No. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. No, that's um, it. That's literally you know? it. Yes, that's it. That is the truth. (laughs) For the record, so do I. What's a way in which you're working on yourself these days? Therapy, something you're reading, taking antidepressants, Al-Anon, et cetera. Mm. Yeah, I, I am definitely investing in therapy right now. I'm in therapy probably once or twice a week because I have the time right now, which Mm -hmm. is really nice. And I am making a point to really um, rebuild the relationship with my father. Mm-hmm. And I have kind of been on this journey since right before I turned 30. And I went to Tokyo in April and just kind of addressing that childhood trauma of growing up in a small white rural town in Ohio, being an Asian kid with a real disconnect to my Asian heritage. And it's something that's really important to me. And I have been really putting in the time to kind of heal those wounds and and mend the relationship. What are some things like you're finding in your pursuit to healing? Um, I'm finding that I, I don't know how to say this. It doesn't sound cheesy, but like, I really am like loving myself more. And like, I don't know how to put that in a way that I'm feeling more whole. Totally. You know, I think- Well, you probably for so long just avoided one half of you. Yeah. And, you know, when you're growing up in the 90s to a single white mother and brushing off every instance of being asked if I was adopted Mm -hmm. or friends laughing at my dad's last name or, and not even realizing I was internalizing it, you know, and- not understanding what that question even like did to me as a child. Like when we go to the grocery store and being asked if I was adopted time after time, because I was with this white woman and there was no dad in sight and no one that I looked like, I think definitely gave me this kind of weird identity crisis of not knowing which box to check, you know, am I Asian? Am I white? Like, and so I've really really wanted to lean into that because when I went to Tokyo and I met with my dad, I felt such a connection to the country and to the culture and in like this really way, the way that I would have never expected, like I've never been there, but I was like, I felt very at home. You did. And and then at the same time, those Japanese people, they were like, oh, you're not even Japanese. Oh, really? So it's like, I I don't look Japanese enough, but then here, so it's like, I'm toggling between this whole like identity thing that I have really been diving into because the more I learn about my Japanese heritage, the more Mm -hmm. I feel like a whole person. Right. And it's so important, like, as you have, as we've talked about, like, you're 31 now, and you feel like you're no, you know, who you are, you know, better than you ever have. It's so awesome that you're really completing the puzzle now with this huge piece. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's so many layers to it. It's very freeing. Absolutely. And to like, and to sit and say, like, that hurt my feelings. Yeah. Like, 
to take up space, I think a lot of the times we tend to dismiss things, brush things off, act as if it doesn't, you're not affected by it when you're still internalizing it. It still did hurt my feelings. I did still feel a certain kind of way. I was still embarrassed that I, I didn't belong to like a blonde, blue eyed family and that, you know, and I never allowed myself the space to be like, that hurt my feelings that I was different. Like I felt really left out or I felt like, I really felt like I didn't belong or, you know, whatever it was. I mean, there was no lack of love in my childhood for sure. My mom made sure of that. But as an adult, being able to now like reflect on it and really dive deeper into those things uh, and have this kind of perspective and and now this newfound relationship with my father. I was going to ask. It's yeah. really, it's really been really cool. That's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So now do you speak to him like more than you ever have or like- We do. We do. And you know, I'm trying not to be regretful that it took me 30 years to try and have a conversation to understand him in a different way. Cultures are different. You know, Mm -hmm. expectations of what the father does in the household is even different in Mm -hmm. in Japanese culture, especially, you know, he's so traditional. He's much older. He comes from a different generation. You know, the learning about the effects of like the war on- the society in Japan and his family and trying to survive. And he lost family in the world. You know, there's just so like the epigenetics of it all. Yeah. It's just like, it's really, it's really been. Um, yeah. It's very complex and there are so many layers. Yeah. But I, I do, I'm feeling more whole. And I think maybe that's what's giving me when we were talking about that self-confidence, that self, that sense of self. Yeah. I think that that has been a driving force in me being able to say like, this is what I want to do now. This is who I am when I walk into a room. This is what I want to wear because I like it. And I don't care if everyone else is dressed this way. I'm going to dress the way I want to dress. So I think it's definitely given me that confidence to own who I am, all of who I am, you know? Absolutely. And even knowing like my mannerisms come from my dad and knowing yourself in that way probably gives you such incredible confidence. Wow. That's like, that's so profound that you're doing that. You need to write a book about that. Like just like this whole discovery period. It's so interesting. Yeah. It's been cool. And probably so many people can relate. So we need to have you on an episode two to to only talk about that. hundred percent. I will. I'm so down for that. Okay. We need to do that. So that's it. Let's go over your, where people can find you. What's your Instagram handle? at Steph underscore Shep. And you can also follow my climate education Instagram at Future Earth. Future Earth website is coming soon. We're going to be launching some really cool products and things that you can help support future Earth creators. Perfect. Thanks for coming on, Steph. Jade, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited for you. This is so great. Thanks for doing this with me. You were unbelievable. Oh my gosh. Are you kidding me? I'm glad I just got to see you. It's been so long. I know. It feels like it's been like three years, truly. No, literally. I only see you in like passing at the gym. At the gym. <laughs> yeah, at the gym, meaning at my dad's house. At your dad's house. <laughs> yeah. She is just the greatest. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this conversation as much as I did. Please rate and subscribe because that's how we grow. And I'll see you next week.